0: Hello and welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of the Seen From Above podcast. I'm Alistair. And I'm Andrew. And we are your hosts for a show that aims to bring you an informal discussion about the cool things happening in and around the world of Earth observation at the moment. You can reach us on Twitter using the hashtag SeenFromAbove.
1: I believe that you can access the podcast on iTunes. You certainly can. <laughs> you can get the podcast on our websites, acergearspatial.co.uk and jogger.co.uk. Please do leave a review on iTunes. It only helps us reach a wider
2: audience.
0: I've had a busy week, or busy couple of weeks. I've been out and about. Yeah, I've seen. Uh, last week, on Thursday and Friday, I went to PhosphoG UK, which is free and open source for Geospatial UK conference. I gave a a workshop on processing satellite imagery on the Thursday afternoon, which was well attended. The conference overall was really well attended. What was really interesting this time is there was a lot more raster and a lot more Earth observation um, in terms of the content uh, of the the overall agenda. And this week, I went to the RSPSOC Wavelength Conference up in uh, Sheffield, and the wavelength is basically the conference for um, PhD students and young professionals. And it's um, put on by the Remote Sensing and Photogrammetry Society to try and sort of basically promote the work that they're doing, create a good community uh, of people who are interested in remote sensing, sort of the next generation, and get them ready, really, for presenting to the, the annual RSPSOC conference. Yeah,
1: how many, how many people at the Wavelength? conference
0: it was a a reasonably small one this year so there was about uh, i think 15 people something like that okay G was much bigger there was well over 100 people there i, I managed to get some recordings as well at the wavelength uh, conference basically just trying to find out why people were there and what they hoped to get from it uh so i'm here with cassandra who organized this year's wavelength 2018 has it been fun
2: um, yes, it would have been a lot easier had I not been a new mother. I have a three-month-old, so obviously that makes things more complicated, but life goes on. And honestly, because all of the attendees in themselves are just interesting people who are really passionate about their projects, it kind of makes the conference happen on its own.
0: And has RSPSOC been good in giving you support in order to help you get this up and running?
2: Yes, definitely. Um, especially when I attend like the meetings in London, but they have they have been absolutely brilliant and also very accommodating given all the circumstances.
0: Has the whole thing been a success, like you were planning to? So have you got the numbers that you were hoping to, and everything like that?
2: Um. I would say yes, I mean it has actually exceeded my expectations. It would be nice if we could get the numbers up a little bit more, but then again it might lose that sort of um, intimate nature that the, the conference is known for, so I think overall I'm very pleased with how things have turned out.
0: Can you tell me what you're working on at the moment? I'm a PhD student. I'm working on the performance estimation of a geosynchronous SAR mission. It's very interesting and challenging because um, the satellite is uh, so far away but it's difficult to get a, a decent signal-to-noise ratio. And what are the benefits of coming to a meeting like this with other PhD students? I think that a student conference is a great opportunity to... Um, have a mock-up of your Viva because you have to present your work to an audience that is not expert. This is my second student conference and I'm very happy of being here. So you're here as uh, an industry placement? Uh, That's correct. And what sort of benefits do you get from coming to a meeting like this? Uh, It allows me an opportunity to understand the 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 realm of uh, remote sensing, how it's been used in different uh, sectors, and uh, it allows me to then help help me make decisions about what, what I can use it for and how I can I can get involved in it. So, is remote sensing something that you want to get into for the rest of your well, for, for the upcoming part of your career? Uh, it's there's a crossover with my uh, industry experience. We've used it there before uh, for for geological uh, work. What are you working on at the moment?
1: I'm working on developing a new method to detect whales on satellite images.
0: And why have you come to this event? Is this beneficial for helping your career or your research?
2: Uh, I'd say both. I heard about it at the last RSP SoC Bit conference in London. And because I knew it was going to be this friendly environment, I thought it would be great to try and
1: present my work and get feedback from an understanding community before going to the Big Conferences.
0: Oh, yes, hello, sorry. (laughs) So, what are the benefits of coming to an event like this? Uh, Okay, well, for me, so I'm right at the beginning of my Uh, lucrative remote sensing career like I've not not got a PhD or started one or anything yet Um, so for me it's mostly seeing what sort of things other people are doing um, with remote sensing like there's lots of things that I hadn't even thought about like particularly there's a couple um, with for animals and conservation, which is an area that I hadn't really thought about much before. Um, and it's really nice to have like a space to just chat to people quite informally, because I think asking questions at the end of a presentation is always a bit uh, nerve-wracking. And why do you want to do a PhD? Um, Well, I wasn't sure about doing one before uh, I started working in Leicester, actually. I thought um, I'd just finished my undergrad and it was quite long and stressful and didn't like the idea of it. But then just being around so many people doing it has managed to not put me off. It made me uh, (laughs) actually be more keen to do one. Thank you. Let's do the news then. Let's do the news, yep. What's been happening in the news?
1: The news this month remote pixel, the guy behind it, has just updated his NDVI series. Um, and you can navigate to anywhere in the world and draw uh, put a point or draw a polygon, and it will show you every single uh, Sentinel-2 and then 8 NDVI for that area. I think it's restricted to a certain square kilometre, but it will play it back to you in an animation. And it's all done through AWS lambda services and it is uh processed as you as you do it in the browser so and then it calls the aws lambda and it's super fast and it, it's absolutely brilliant and the examples that have been shared um on the remote pinks the remote pixel twitter account are of the changes in agricultural circular irrigation fields but you can go anywhere in the world and it, it's not um it's just top of the atmosphere so there is there is obviously scope to 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 improve that but you know as we move towards analysis ready data as we've talked about in a previous podcast i'm sure that that could be comfortably integrated into this uh page and it's these sort of little things that i i i think are quite big steps yeah
0: so as he uh, as the remote pixel page put out any blog post or anything about what they're doing on the, the back end with, with Lambda.
1: Um, Vincent, he's uh, put all the code onto GitHub, so anybody can all right, okay. Like this. Wow. Um,
0: People who are thinking that remote sensing might be able to help them out, when they see things like this, it, it can only be a good thing for the entire industry, because it really promotes both the quality of the data but also, if you know what you're doing, the, the types of things that you can do in terms of speed and interactivity and all of that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it's this sort of idea of data as a service, isn't it? This tool is, is really good. I mean, I was, when I saw it, I, this was another sort of, wow, that's, that's nice, <laughs> to say the least.
0: Talking of promoting Earth observation data, I don't know if you've come across something called Snap Planet. I have not. Okay, so I came across this recently. It's an app for your phone and there's an android version and also an apple version and it's basically come from the team that won the copernicus masters in 2016 oh yeah it's a really cool little thing but it just basically allows you to to look at some really nice um earth observation imagery and share it with your friends and um look for change over time for a a given area and all that sort of thing um yeah, it's a nifty little thing. So I just wanted to put that out there, so people can go and check it out.
1: Yeah, it's interesting because uh, you know when we get onto our topic, we're going to talk about analytics, and I'm going to talk a little bit about how I see there's two two markets, and this is definitely is in the in what I would classify as the pixels market.
0: What else is is new in the world of of news?
1: I don't know how new this is, but National Geographic have picked up on this story about new penguin habitats being discovered. space and I seem to remember about a year ago maybe that there was this we can identify colonies of penguins from space and people were saying wow you know penguins are small and it's actually the penguin poo that is seen yeah I do seem to remember there being I'll have to look it up there being a paper about using it on various very high resolution sensors but also on Landsat to get an idea of the scale and I've got the number of 10,000 in my head somewhere but it's these sort of things that when I first heard it, I sort of smiled. I thought, oh, that's a, another interesting use. And I'm, I'm quite keen on the sort of ecological side of things to be more promoted um, with using satellite data. And yeah, if we can identify new penguin habitats, as, as this uh, article on National Geographic shows, then, then great. Yeah. It's almost
0: like they proved that there was, they were able to do something last year and then they've iterated on that. And they're doing something subtly different, but even more impressive, really. Yeah. I've got an announcement, a software announcement. Um, So this is just sort of quick and simple. But those of you who use the R statistics package might be interested to know that something called the R sits package, S-I-T-S, is now available. And it's a set of tools for working with satellite image time series. Uh, it looks very cool. I'm not an R user myself, but from what I've seen on the GitHub page and various other bits and bobs around the internet, this looks really very cool. So it's got all sorts of things to do with visualization uh, of time series and smoothing methods for noisy data, clustering methods, and all sorts of things like that.
1: So is R something that you use? Uh, n- not in the last sort of, 12 months or so. Okay. I did start looking at it. It always seems to come back to: Do you prefer? I want to do data science, so you can use Python or you can use R. And I think it almost comes down to sort of what you're most comfortable with and what your personal preference is. They seem to be able to do pretty much the same thing. Yes, I'm not. I don't. Want, my my choice is Python, but I don't want to be dismissive of R. Um, it's just another one of these uh, great tools that that can be used. Uh, the last thing I saw in the news was um you know relatively uh light hearted thing I saw in the Guardian uh, letters weekly letters page on March the sixth and they uh, a response from um, a guy called Peter Sobey in australia i don't I don't know if he's a professional uh, earth observation person or or scientist or or what but um essentially he's responding to a piece that was written in February about we're turning space into a junkyard and I thought it was quite a, quite a nice response, really. He sort of ends up by saying space exploration is a worthy endeavour. The amount of money devoted to it takes up a tiny fraction of military spending. The pollution caused by military activity is many more times that for space exploration. I just, I just felt the overwhelming sentiment was don't get too caught up with this sort of space junk. Okay. And that space exploration is a, a worthwhile endeavour. Have you got anything else in news? I've got two announcements that
0: I've seen on the internet. One is something called the Land Sense Challenge, which I've not come across before. Maybe it's not been run before, but this looks quite interesting. So this targets individuals, web entrepreneurs, startups, and SMEs to present innovative IT solutions addressing one of the three following domains, urban landscape dynamics, agricultural land use, forest and habitat monitoring. And... Basically, they want you to use data coming from something called the Landsense Citizen Observatory, which I'm assuming is a sort of crowdsourcing type of thing, mm-hmm. the Sentinel Hub service, or any other relevant EO data sources. That just seems like a, a quite an interesting thing. If there's anyone out there that's listening to this that's um, involved in land cover and land use, then... They might want to have a go at the Landsense Challenge. We'll put the link in the show notes.
1: Yeah, it's only two. It's a two pages long proposals.
0: Ah, uh, okay, cool, excellent. And the other thing is, I suppose probably the primary uh, Earth observation conference in the UK is usually the RSPSoc, which is the Remote Sensing and Photogrammetry Society annual conference. And this year, it's gone even bigger. So. It's the UK National Earth Observation Conference 2018, and that's between the 4th and the 7th of September, and it's being held in Birmingham. This is being jointly organised by SOC and NCEO, which is the National Centre for Earth Observation and Centre for Earth Observation Instrumentation. I will be going, and hopefully I'll see you there. And who knows? Ooh, I wonder if we could have a recording. <laughs> I'll get, yeah, I'll get in touch with them, see what happens.
1: And that's the news, okay. <laughs> okay, let's let's move on to our topic. This time around, we're going to be talking about Earth observation analytics. This is a very large topic, I, I would say.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty broad, I, I would have thought. Um, mm-hmm. So why... Why do you want to to look at this at the moment?
1: Um, well, I, th- I think it's something that I, I feel could we could do several podcasts on. But as I uh, sort of alluded to earlier, I really see the market as it is today in, in the satellite Earth observation market being in two parts. I see Pixel's market where companies like oil and gas companies, environmental companies, etc., buy and process satellite imagery in pretty much the same way they have for years. This is sort of done on a project-by-project basis, mainly. And I don't think it makes too much sense to try and scale or repeat something that is pretty much or fundamentally a one-off. And for analytics, the, the main market, in my mind, is more for people who aren't your traditional users, the people who want data to complement existing data and today there's never been a better opportunity to pursue this sort of opportunity to to what, what's the best word merge satellite data w- with other data sources
0: so would you say that's because there's so much satellite data around or is it because the the skills of those people who are doing the sort of data merging and the data analytics in various different software packages are are such that now they don't even think about earth observation data as particularly special they're just seeing it as a something that they admittedly have to process in a certain way but that it's just dropping into what they they want to do well
1: to sort of skim around that that question i mean if you were previously looking for information about an emerging market or an area perhaps in Africa, I would think that you would take any any data that was available and satellite data, and it, it might not be anything more than a base map. Yeah. Whereas uh, I saw last year, I think it was, a, a huge study done by Stanford that was looking at light pollution observed by Earth observation satellites and correlating that with poverty in Africa and getting an idea of the impact of where populations are and how deprived those areas are. So this kind of contributory data source, whereas previously to obtain information such as that, it would have required people on the ground. It would have been very expensive, uh, potentially inefficient. Yeah. But having said all of that, when I first started really thinking about the analytics, I, I attended a presentation and I, I sort of came away from it thinking, I'm not sure there's going to be a role for someone like me in the future, this is all going to be done by machines. And I'm not sure that's ever going to happen, actually.
0: It's unlikely that the machines will come up with the, the idea, because there has to be a level of creativity, I think, to come up with the idea of how to bring all these various different things together. Um, and you've, you've seen yourself from things like Google Earth Engine, just how relatively easy... I mean, obviously, there's a whole load of stuff going on at the back end that we're not privy to, but how relatively easy it is for an analyst to ask for something and get back incredibly quickly, a whole load of information. So I, I see your point about sort of almost putting yourself out of work. But at the same time, I think the, the benefit of the human interaction is coming up with the idea.
1: Do you, do you think that one algorithm set it working and you, you'll be able to pick up the world? It feels that like that might be a little bit ambitious.
0: Yes, yeah, but you could set an algorithm running that goes off and learns for
1: different parts of the world. Well, I, I, I think in in terms of the sort of market for analytics, it, it, it's to just understand that it's just data that we're dealing with, uh, and that it's spaceborne or it's GIS or geospatial data. Well, the end user may not necessarily care about that. Yeah, okay. What a company called Descartes Labs did a few years ago was report on the volume of corn, I think it was, uh, in the US. So they could do the whole of the US with the satellite data. And when they reported it, I think Bloomberg published that article. And on publishing, the the corn market moved about 3%. <laughs> So that's not an insignificant move if you, if you consider this sort of commodities-based world. And yeah, yeah. so previously, rather than saying, we've got a picture of a car park, we've now got hundreds of pictures of that car park over time. And we can, if we've got footfall or revenue or all this kind of stuff, can we make a leading suggestion to what that performance of that business is, yeah. what that um, market is doing? And that's quite a sort of compelling case, I think, for, for this increase in, in data. And, and really, the I think that the people who are ultimately buying this aren't really buying the pixels, they're buying the information. I was going
0: to say, in some of these things, you'd have to be fairly confident that what you're putting out there as as your analysed imagery, so your, your information stream, is correct. Because, I mean, if you're having an impact on markets by, you know, even numbers sort of two or three percent like you say that's not insignificant
1: yeah yeah i mean the, the sort of the analytics is really about sort of trying to shorten the supply chain i think we can get lost in this world i, mean, I think it's sort of like a, a cautious word of warning that we could get lost
0: i think it's very important that the both the analysts and the end users understand the limitations as well of of any imagery that they're using there's so much we can pull out. We just need to make sure that we're pulling out the correct things.
1: I completely agree, and and perhaps I wasn't very coherent earlier on, but I do feel that's where sort of specialists like like us sit. Yeah. So, so the so the machines, he says in inverted commas, <laughs> will will do the crunching, as it were but it's just not possible for for you or I or any combination to look at every pixel that's ever captured it now. There's just too much data. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, we kind of alluded to it before, really, but the the biggest barrier in the market today is finding the data and having the accessibility to that data.
0: Remote sensing earth observation is very much on the cusp at the moment between two different worlds there's the world where you get your individual image and you download it and you pre-process everything you do your atmospheric correction and terrain correction yourself and then you you look at that but you're right that can only be done realistically for a certain number of images before it overwhelms the person doing it uh, or the computer system that it's being done on and then on the other side, you've got this whole area where there's analysis-ready data being created, and those data are really, really important. But I'm just a little concerned that you're trying to create a data set that is ready for a broad gamut of, of users and for a broad range of use cases. And so can it always meet that and be ready for, an, uh, for analytics and analysis?
1: yeah maybe this is the sort of 80 20 rule you know where you've got 80 percent of the time it is ready yeah at the time it isn't ready but maybe that that's an improvement on where we are today
0: i re- I really support the fact that all of these analytics methods are coming along and that all this online in the cloud processing is happening and the data is being made openly available i think it's brilliant
1: i think it's a really interesting topic isn't it and i, and I think in some ways we've sort of skirted around and barely scratched the surface of some of the areas
0: yeah i'd quite like to get into this a bit more deeply uh, in future both in terms of the types of imagery that we can look at but also the types of software that people are
1: using yeah and you, you know not just earth observation but at, at the moment the the sort of requirement seems to be a dashboard everybody loves a dashboard <laughs> yeah. so i mean Ta- tableau does that tableau public yeah as uh, has a dashboard functionality and it has a sort of a geo button <laughs> you know you can you can make your own map just because you can plot points on a map doesn't make you good at communicating information in a, in a map that does need that care that i think that what we've talked about we shouldn't forget with the analytics it does need that care
0: When we started this out in December 2017, we had a plan, basically, to do a pilot and then six episodes and see where we got to. And I think things are going pretty well, actually. I had people come up to me at G um, and say that they listen to the podcast, which is really cool to actually meet people who, who listen to the podcast. Yeah. So, yes, if you are listening, make sure you, you use the hashtag on Twitter uh, and give us a review. So what are our plans for next next episode.
1: So. so I think next time, and I'm slightly smiling at this, but I think next time we should do a kind of quick fire questions to each other to hopefully set the scene for bringing in other people that we can ask these questions to. Okay. It's the kind of equivalent of last day of school, bring your, bring your peers in, <laughs> in from above. <laughs> Seen from top trumps. Yeah, we'll sort of try and uh, make it a bit more lighthearted than perhaps our yeah. analytics discussion has been. i really enjoyed these five that we've done and, and I'm looking forward quite a lot. And it's great that it, so many people have uh, downloaded and, and, and listened to us. Yeah. We just want to be part of the the wider community.
0: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think so. And with that in mind, if you have any requests for new segments that you want us to to talk about or topics for us to discuss, or even guests that you'd like to hear from, and it could be you want to come on and and talk to us about something, then drop us a line through Twitter. That's at MapAndrew for Andrew, or at A-J-G-Jogger, A-J-G-G-E-O-G-E-R
1: yeah twitter handles hey what can you what can you say
0: <laughs> Cool well, with that in mind, thank you very much for listening to everyone out there that is listening and thank you, Andrew, for your inputs on this one
1: Thank you Alistair. thank you for um spending time this week with uh your roving reporter that's on <laughs> cool.
0: And until next time, you can reach us at hashtag SeenFromAbove on Twitter. And you can also find us on iTunes and a myriad of other places. Please do leave a review on iTunes and get in touch with us on Twitter. Thank you very much.
1: Cheers. Goodbye. Goodbye. Yay. Droppings and discrimination. <laughs> I just went straight in there thank you
2: Not an easy one to walk through. So take me with you. And you don't have to go alone. The life is growing like you walking past you. If I could ask you pick up